Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, I'm Chris. Uh, with me, I've got Ryan. Hello. All right. Yeah, you? Yeah, grand, thank you very much. And all the way from Greece, is it? It is, yeah. Excellent. We've got Mark, as you can hear. Kelly Spiro. How you doing? I'm not too bad, thanks. So and you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, speaking of Greece, um, has anyone heard the new Blizzard podcast? Not yet. It's like a question and answer session, and they're talking about the thickest footballers the panel had come across. And one of the people on there was talking about Duncan Ferguson, and he was in Athens for a qualifier with Craig Brown Scotland, um, and they'd organised an excursion before the match. And uh, Craig Brown told Duncan Ferguson they're off to go and see the Acropolis, um, and they need to be ready in an hour. And Duncan Ferguson said, "Brilliant! I didn't even know the nightclubs were open this time of night." <laughs> <laughs> Which wasn't the most stupidest thing you would hear. I mean, am I doing a spoiler here? Are either of you going to listen to this? I promise not to butt in if I know it. All right, Ian Rush. Not. The, uh, not I think you know where you're going. Not the foreign country quote. All right, in that case, I don't know where you're going. No. Um, apparently, that well, the foreign country thing was made up by um, Kenny Dalglish, and he said it to someone in the press for a bit of a laugh, and Rush never even said it, but. Um, this was about one of Ian Rush's friends, as he was growing up, uh, as one of his childhood friends, um, had died. And Ian Rush was taking the phone call where the news was being broken to him. And Ian Rush, Ian Rush supposedly asked... Um, sorry, my computer didn't update. Uh, Ian Rush supposedly asked his friend uh, what it was that killed him. And this guy's reply on the end of the phone was a big C. And Ian Rush said, well, he drowned. <laughs> I laughed so hard I nearly veered off the side of the road. Oh, God. Footballers, eh? Clever little things, aren't they? It's just ridiculous. (laughs) So there you go, you're in Greece. Yeah, Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki. That's where you are, is it? Or are you you greeting us? (laughs) That's where I am. In In a hotel room that kind of... Uh, isn't up to my usual standard. It's more like a, a place Jason Bourne would use as a bolt hole while being chased by the CIA. Oh right, you're not quite your normal Dubai. No, it's it's not, as, it's not as plush as and plush and glamorous as I'm used to. I'm afraid. <laughs> no, you're slumming it. Oh, we do appreciate yeah. that. Um, right. Well, we're going to be talking about the Champions League final this week. We're going to attempt to talk about the playoffs and fail terribly. Um, a bit about Manchester United, uh, where other clubs might be standing with who they're chasing for this summer. But, first of all, Thursday night, breaking news. Um, the FA Cup, as of next season, there will be no replays after the quarterfinal. Um, now, Mark, I saw the tweet you put out earlier on, which is where I got the link from. And I scrolled through the BBC announcement. Um, and it was kind of split two ways. I thought there'd be sort of universal condemnation. But it kind mm. of looked like that... The younger people, um, or the, the sort of older generation, thought it was a terrible shame, and the death of lower league football. And the older, uh, the younger people, um, some of whom were saying great, some were saying great. Let's just get rid of the competition altogether. Uh, and flicking through their biographies on Twitter, they tended to support Premier League clubs. Um, so we've got our own spotty youth on this podcast, haven't we? <laughs> Who supports a Premier League club? Um, I'll come to you first, Ryan, because I've got an idea what Mark's going to say. What do you reckon? I, I think it's a good idea, actually. I mean, <laughs> yes, it, it, it's bad for the lower league clubs, but then again, it's not like they're doing it from all of the rounds. You know, it is the quarterfinals. And I don't know if anyone's going to start getting stats together on how many lower league clubs make it to that point. I think it's it's a protection of the Premier League clubs, really, to, to say... 
the Premier League clubs can't afford more games in their season, so why don't we? Realistically, the amount of Premier League clubs in those sort of last couple of rounds give them the opportunity to only play the one game, which means they don't have to worry about fixture congestion and messing around with fixture lists right. every every few weeks. So. I can I can hear a volcano begin to explode in Greece. Um. What Ryan's saying is 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 right. That's where the pressure is coming from. It's kind of prem- the, the, it's the Premier League protection racket at it again. Um, you can just see the 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 fist of pressure coming down from Arsenal because the FA Cup t- come the quarterfinal stages in March. Just just that time of season when Arsenal's arse falls off every year um, when they complain about the amount of fixture pile up and and what have you. Um, it wasn't a problem in the past when we played 42 league games or 44 league games, whatever it was in the 42, I think, back in the old days in the FA, all the unlimited FA Cup replays. And um, we played less European games in them days, but it, they still ended up playing 60 games a season. Uh, and English teams were very competitive in Europe all the same, you know, even though they played more league games in all of the European competition. And it's just a shame that the Football Association, who are supposed to be the guardians of this um, bastion of football history and tradition and everything else, seem determined year on year to gradually flush it down the toilet and um, cease it from breathing. And it's the modern world that the younger people think that finishing fourth uh, and having um, you know, a better kit than somebody else or uh, more money in the bank is much more valuable than... The, what literally is the magic of the FA Cup I mean people of our age Chris and older some of the greatest games they've seen on television or been to have been um, FA Cup ties or FA Cup replays yeah I was really annoyed when I saw this um, because I think the FA Cup's already been messed around with enough you've got semi-finals at Wembley which is an abhorrence um, you've got a 5 o'clock kickoff time to the final which again is disgusting mm. um, but coming back to you Ryan you're a Premier League-centric fan. Yeah. Do you not get a little bit excited with things like the FA Cup? And do you not sort of see the the romance of it all? And for Not just so much the romance of it all, but if you're a lower league club and you get a uh, Premier League team at home, you draw them at home, and then you get a great big money-spinning replay, that pays for your team's wages. That pays for your back staff's wages, your... Um, uh, it could pay for a stand or something like that, an away trip to uh, Old Trafford or St James's Park or the Etihad or somewhere. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not sort of saying that it, it's the best idea ever. I can understand why they've made the decision. And, you know, it, it is bad for the lower league clubs. Um, I love the FA Cup. I, You know, regardless of how Chelsea do it every season, it doesn't matter. Like, the FA Cup is special. You know, the amount of sort of, you know, big games that happen, sort of big clubs you know, manage to sort of compete, the lower league teams that somehow upset the odds, it's great. Um, I think getting rid of the replay at the quarterfinal stage, it's it, it not as bad as, as, say, getting rid of the replay at all in general. Um, because as you said, you know, it's a big money spinner for a lot of lower league clubs. Um, as I think, I'd have to go and do the research, but I don't know how much that's going to impact, bearing in mind it's the quarterfinal final stage I, I don't know how much it's actually going to impact those lower clubs going forward oh. Mark I'll give you the last word on this should we so, not just bin off the League Cup yeah. and look after the FA Cup a bit better um, if it came down to Colin one or the other yes I think the League Cup it should be the one to go um, sadly I think the um, the move to get rid of FA Cup replays at the quarter final although we've got rid of them for the final and semi-final for plenty of years now I think this is just a prelude to them getting rid of replays altogether, which would be even sadder. I think so as well. I think it's like a little creep-by-creep creep process, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, well, speaking of money-spinning games, uh, it's the Champions League final this weekend. Atletico Madrid versus Real Madrid at the San Siro. Um, Simeone's going home, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he played for Inter for a few years, didn't he? He did, didn't he? It was Inter and Lazio, wasn't he, when he was in Italy? Yep, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Raphael Varane is a doubt for this game um, with a thigh injury. Ronaldo was seen limping as well. Um, is anyone passionately coming down one side or the other? 
it'd be really nice to see Atletico win, regardless of what you think of their playing style and whether it's boring or whether it's anti-football. Um, I think it'd be great to see them win it. Uh, I mean, they came to, they came close a couple of seasons ago. Uh, I think it'd be good to see them win it. And you know, Real Madrid have had their time, and I, I mean, Zidane probably needs the win. But it'd be really interesting to see what Atletico could do with it, and sort of where they'd go from there, and what players they could attract, and what they'd end up doing next season. They might keep Griezmann if they win it. Well, yeah, I mean, I've seen. There was a story today about Ben Arthur and they tried to get him, but he refused because of their playing style. Um, so it, a Champions League can probably change a lot of things for players. I don't really get this thing about the Atletico playing style, because, or Atletico playing style, because it's just a different style of play, isn't it? And I really enjoy watching it. I quite like watching teams defend, and it is quite interesting to watch. Um, Mark, are you down one way or the other? Um, for Saturday night. Um... Although I'm not a big fan necessarily of Atletico Madrid's style, I think they do try to pinch an early lead and then just hang on and hang on. And you know, you wonder how long they can keep repeating that um, uh, that tactic. But you're right. I mean, there is there are plenty of ways to win a football game, and and the way they set up and the way they play actually is quite old fashioned um, for European football. That that was how teams used to play back in the day, especially away from home. It wasn't always um, attack, attack, attack. Whether you played a, a home or away in Europe as it has been for many years now um, and all, as I said although I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of theirs and I'm not a huge fan of all the Simeone histrionics and everything I think it would be nice for a change for somebody like Atletico Madrid not to win uh, to, to win sorry and Real not to win um, and uh, yeah if, if Ronaldo is a doubt um, then that's a huge blow for them um, so and it could it, the win could actually help keep that team together because you know the as you said Griezmann's name has been linked a lot uh, with a move away. Um, I saw Saul Niguez's name linked with a move somewhere, and uh, somebody else now from that team linked with a move to somebody in England. I don't remember who it was now, and, and they may still move. And, and Atletico Madrid have over the years cashed in on the players at the right time. And then just gone and replaced them with somebody cheaper and, and repeated that. So, um, but if they want to keep this team and I think if they want to keep Simeone, I think they probably have to win. So, for once, I'm going to go against my own principles and I'll, I'll probably shout for Atletico. Oh, after 30 years, you become the kind of man you've always hated, as James once sang. <laughs> I was at the final a couple of years ago when the two played, um, against each other. And the game panned out exactly as we described, and, and they almost pulled it off. Remember, Real Madrid scored a last-minute equaliser, yeah. took it into extra time, and, and um, Atletico were just, they were out on their feet but in extra time, and I think they got beat 4-1, didn't they? That was a great header, that Ramos header, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great end to the game. It had been quite stale up to that point. Um, Atletico had done what they did, but then Real just gradually built up a head of steam, and got the equaliser they deserved, although they left it quite late. Yeah. Um, Zidane's record in La Liga under, uh, or Real Madrid's record under Zidane in La Liga has played 26, won 21, um, drawn two, uh, what does that mean? Lost two, drawn three. Um, and it sounded like Isco and Ramirez, they've been sort of shoved out a little bit, but they came very, very close to the lead league. He's gotten to the final of the Champions League. He's a rookie, but he's got something there, hasn't he? I mean, um, Simeone, he's the canny, wily old coach, but he's got some beating to him, isn't he, uh, Zidane? He's not... I, I, I never saw him as a as a coach. I actually. didn't either, no. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a well-worn cliche now, isn't it, that great players don't necessarily make great coaches and they don't really come much greater than Zidane as a player. Apart from um, Kevin Gallon. Uh, apart from him and Bradley Allen, of course. Bradley Allen? Oh, now you're talking. <laughs> the best of but all apart, the Allen family. Yeah, but apart from them two, Zidane's right up there. Yeah. But, um, I mean, he, he didn't walk into... OK, Benitez was quite unpopular and, and Real Madrid were comparatively struggling a little bit when he got the bullet. But he, he hardly walked into, um, into a shitstorm, did he, when he walked into Real Madrid? With Ronaldo and uh, 
Benzema and Bale and Rodriguez and all these other players, it was hardly the worst of managerial um, career beginnings. Well, no, and you know, it's not as if anything can say to him, "Show us your medals." Yeah, I think he he, he gets respect instantly. What he how he how he works with that from that point onwards often is the downfall of the the super players who turn into crap managers. I think they do lose respect very quickly from from the players that they're managing. But if he can keep that, then he's got a chance of being a success at Real Madrid. Although everybody gets sacked there at some point, don't they? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Ryan, can I knock you over some stats? You know, I love stats. So yes. stats. Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, sixteen goals in eleven Champions League games this season. Um, that's a very good record isn't it Jeez. that's not bad is it Fernando Torres has scored 12 goals this season is that what is, it just, is that overall yeah oh, yeah. It's, uh, not, it's not quite Ronaldo-esque but <laughs> no <laughs> it's Torres-esque isn't it because yeah. this could be his last game is he, is he on loan from Milan or is he now a, a Atletico player uh, well I don't actually know um, I think I think he's an Atleti player but I'm not actually sure yeah, um, and Guillaume Balaguer, uh, who are we to argue with him, put Antoine Griezmann as one of the top five strikers in the world. He scored seven goals in 12 Champions League games with an 85% pass accuracy. He's a very, very good striker. Shot, a- shot accuracy, sorry. No, he's a very, very good player. Um, it's going to be difficult for them to keep him, as we've already sort of alluded to. He's a, you know, he, he's a bit of a, a sort of, Think of him more of like an Aguero character, where he'll, he'll sort of score goals, and but he can also play the game quite well as well. He's not just a just a scorer or just a sort of he you know, he, he does a few extra things where he can sort of be involved in the play as well. Yeah, um, Gabby's won twenty eight tackles, which is the most in the Champions League. That sort of ties into the Atletico way of playing, doesn't it? Um, and Tony Cruz has got the highest pass accuracy in the Champions League with ninety five percent. So, one word for the pair of you: who's going to win? Atletico. Right? Uh, Heart, Atletico, head Madrid. Uh, Real Madrid. That's a real cop-out answer. Yeah, it is, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'd, I'd say, like, realistically, it's Real Madrid. It is Real Madrid, do you? I, I'm going to go Mark, I think. I just... Maybe they learnt their lesson from a couple of years ago. Uh, well, from the Champions League final, should we go down to the playoffs? Two comparative games right there. Yeah, well, let's start at League Two. That's Wimbledon versus Plymouth. Wimbledon finished sixth and Plymouth finished fifth. Um, i got no idea whatsoever about either of these two teams. Plymouth's my closest league team, which is about 80 miles away. Um, anyone get any opinion on this either way? Um, no. <laughs> I'd quite like Wimbledon to be promoted, actually, because then you've got Wimbledon and MK Dons next season as a league fixture. Yes, that'd be really, really good. Mark, you're a romantic old sort when it comes to old football. This was the appeal to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the um, everybody would be rooting for Wimbledon, wouldn't they? And there's nothing wrong with that. They've come up from where they've come and what happened to them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think I'll root for Wimbledon on this one. Yeah. Um, oh, Ryan, you're from Northampton, aren't you? Yes. So they got promoted this season, didn't they, to League One? They did. So Northampton Town, MK Dons, is that a local derby? Um, a little bit. Uh, to be honest, people that, people around here don't really sort of... I don't think we really have any derbies. More like... Since rubbish and dustbins uh, went out of business. Cain- <laughs> More like Cambridge and stuff, but that's sort of a little bit different leagues and stuff. People it's all very confusing. Yeah, that's close. That's a, sort of a, a rivalry as well. Rush to the Giants, they still exist? I hear, them, I hear about them somewhere... Uh, I don't know. I, to be honest, I haven't probably heard of them for a while, so I have no idea what's happened to them. Because I think they did play against each other once, didn't they? Yes. Yeah? Not Corby Town or Earthlingborough Diamonds or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> right, League One. We're getting closer, don't worry. We're going to get higher up that league. Um, Barnsley versus Millwall. Uh, Barnsley have already been to Wembley this season, haven't they? They beat Oxford in the Johnson's Pate Trophy final. Barnsley finished sixth, Millwall finished fourth. Mm. I think um, well, Barnsley finished the season quite strongly from what I recall I think they weren't doing well up to a point up to about Christmas yeah, Millwall have been there or thereabouts haven't they 
Hmm? Millwall have always been kind of there or thereabouts, haven't they? They have, without it, well, to, to me anyway, and I've not, I can't really say that I've played too much attention in that division. Um, they've not really stood out, you know, they've not been uh, on the telly very much or making the headlines, but as you say, they've just been bobbling under the surface there and kept themselves in contention, whereas, as I said, I think I, thought, I think Barnsley were mid-table or even lower for a while, and then they just um, went on a bit of a run and got themselves got themselves up there just at the right time. I got no leaning either way on this one, except for the fact that Dandy Dickio's played for Winwall, so I'd quite happily see them go up. <laughs> Anybody got any uh, no, emotional attachment no, either way? No, yeah, same oh. with you. It's the same either way. Yeah. For the John Stones connection, I'll go for Barnsley. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we might be talking about John Stones in a minute, actually. Mm. Um. Right, well, we're getting close. Ryan, we've, we've almost made it. Championship. Yeah. We've sounded like we kind of know what we're on about so far. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday versus Hull. Now, I've actually managed to find a bit of team news and a quote on this, so we could tell we've, we're at the top of the tree. Um, Steve Bruce has said they've got no excuses, Hull. Uh, they've had 10 days preparation. Uh, and Though Alan McGregor is a doubt, having kept 18 clean sheets in 44 appearances, um, it would be a big loss for them. Laura's very excited about this, isn't she? Oh yeah, I don't blame. I I think we all sort of would. The emotional attachment is to Sheffield Wednesday. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks. It was either last week or a couple of weeks ago. You know, Hull have had their time in the Premier League recently. Yeah. Let's have someone different. Sheffield Wednesday can come up be a, something a bit different rather than Hull that would probably more than likely just yo-yo back down uh, and probably sign some great Premier League relics that always seem to be around. The, the promoted clubs whereas I think Sheffield Wednesday would probably do things a little bit different ok uh, Mark what do you reckon um, <clears throat> is it me or does it seem that a lot of the time the underdog wins this Premier this um, championship playoff no you're right they do don't they in which case uh, my head would say Hull um, would like drag out a 1-0 win somehow but then if the underdog wins, then I would have to say it's going to be Sheffield Wednesday. And as Ryan said, I think we've had Hull up and down a couple of times. And I've got nothing against Hull. And I quite like Steve Bruce. He's a, he's a decent manager at a certain level. But I think uh, it's time. It would be nice to have Sheffield Wednesday back in the Premier League again. I think there's a whole generation of people who don't even remember that. No, I think you're Bizarrely. right. It still seems a bit odd that they're not in it. A bit like when you see Leeds in the Championship as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Forest is another team, isn't it? That yeah. you think should be well, people of a certain age would uh, would assume should be in the Premier League. Yes, exactly. I did see a tweet today that said um, if Millwall, uh, not Millwall, if Bournemouth get relegated next season, uh, they would have accumulated two hundred and forty million pounds worth of um, uh, TV money in their time in the Premier League. Oh. Uh, I saw, yeah, I saw a I saw a table in a tweet today as well showing the comparison between the um, Premier League league money TV money that goes to each club or went to each club this season gone compared to La Liga and um, every club in the Premier League earned more from television than all but the top two in the uh, in La Liga even, even Atletico Madrid didn't earn as much as Aston Villa from television money or, or even Bournemouth so there you go it's mind-boggling if you think about it really isn't it Mm. Did you see the other table or the um, the hundred to one shouts for uh, the next Everton manager? No, I haven't seen this. Have you not? Um, I see if I can find it quickly. It's a hundred to one. Uh, Slavin Bilic was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, My choice from last summer. Your choice from last summer was it? Yeah, I, w- I would have taken him last summer. Oh, would you? Right. Okay. Let me just scroll down because I'm trying to find the um, the actual tweet, which is now gone. Uh, 100 to 1 also would have got you Asta Wenger, Carlo Ancelotti, and oddly enough, <laughs> the Guardian's Ian McIntosh. <laughs> um, I've, so, I've got a feeling I can't be much bigger in the betting at this rate. Well, my, I, I told you, I once had a friend applying for the Sheffield Wednesday job on the basis that he came 23rd in the Daily Telegraph fantasy football team. Yeah, well. He didn't get it. I, I, I thought we would have heard more about it if he actually got it, yeah. <laughs> uh, i tell you what's not been in the news much this week. Manchester United, should we talk about that? Who? Yeah, them. <laughs> the team from Salford, they don't play in Manchester. 
Ah, them, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now who are you talking about? That them ones. Um, I've just seen a very interesting tweet, actually, since I'm checking my Twitter timeline, um, from Annie Eves. Uh, Mourinho's upcoming court case over the Chelsea doctor is an issue. I hope Manchester United fans don't go full Liverpool Suarez. There's been an awful lot of revisionism by Manchester United fans in the last couple of hours since he was confirmed, hasn't there? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's it's <has> amazing. <laughs> do you remember when Abramovich first came in and Mourinho first came in and United said, well, we do things the right way, the proper way. We, we bring our players through and all that sort of thing. We don't want Mourinho. He's a um, this and that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the great thing about Twitter as well, it, a lot of the Chelsea fans I follow are retweeting something from, like, 1,400 days ago. It's like, ah, oh, look at Mourinho, what a mug or something. And then today it's like, Mourinho, greatest manager of our time. Yeah. He's going to bring success to United. I'm like, you're so stupid. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, you going to say? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, on on our podcast, what, from a couple of weeks ago that didn't go out because of uh, my technical problems. Um we talked about how Manchester United are lacking the X factor, lacking a bit of star quality. Well, now you know that, barring a couple of youngsters, um, there isn't a, the, the, there, they haven't got the the presence they once had. And um, now, without the success to go with it, and Louis Van Gaal is a bit dour. The players are nothing, so they're going for Ibrahimovic. They've got Mourinho. They're going to try and get some more big name players in to capture that sparkle once again. But it's amazing what um, a lack of success and pressure on the old stock market can do to your morals. I did kind of think as um, all this has been going on when you know as Manchester United fans have um, been saying you know we like to do things the right way and and all this sort of thing. And I kind of think this is an awful lot of pious revisionism because it's not like they won Wayne Rooney in a raffle or Angel Di Maria in a raffle um, and it's not like Alex Ferguson behaved like your local parish priest either. Mm. that's a similar thing to, to Arsenal where it's like yeah we don't buy the league and I'm like yeah but you just bought Ozil and Sanchez and 40 million each and it's yeah Man United is, we do things right but really they they used to buy a lot of players yeah and they've got an awful and they've got an awful lot of corporate sponsors as well it's not like they're sort of plucky yeah. underdogs or anything no. Eric Cantona has come out today and says he loves Jose Mourinho but he's not Manchester United he's that's definitely fair not that's a fair enough comment yeah you both think that's fair enough comment, dude? Yeah. I kind of yeah. thought the same thing, yeah. Um, there's lots of things that are coming out of this. The first thing that I think of is he appears to have Manchester United, him and his agent appear to have Manchester United over a barrel. They had, it, It's pretty obvious that it was them that announced the what was happening just after the cup final. Um, it didn't come from the club. And he's demanding... Um, you know, eleven million pounds a season in salary. Zlatan's coming out and talking about he wants something similar in his salary as well. Um, for a man that's only got one option left as a club to go to, other than probably PSG, Jose seems to be have all the cards here, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think the his, his agent. I can't remember. Is, is it George Mendy or something? Jorge Mendes, depending on how you see <laughs> He somehow in the past has managed to broker these amazing deals for his clients and uh, yeah like you said I don't know what they're doing to to get Manchester United in such a flurry Um, but yeah they they must have been the ones to leak the original information one thing that that surprised me about the whole thing was how badly they treated Van Gaal I know Manchester United fans didn't exactly have much love for him but, you know, the big story was apparently his wife told him at half-time or tiled him after the game because he didn't know that he was getting fired, but everyone else did but him. Uh, yeah, As again, Manchester United do things right. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, because, you know, they've got such a great history of doing this. And if you look at the way they were so um, uh, so diplomatic and moral in the way they got rid of David Moyes as well. Yeah, it, it's it's been a really sort of fascinating thing to watch actually because there's almost been a little bit of an implosion in 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 sort of how things have happened and the constant rumors and everyone seems to have known what was going to happen before even the club almost did or what they sort of alluded to van hal came out of his hotel and said it's over the club was saying oh we need to clarify his comments well you already knew because you'd already sacked him Mm. and then it they had released a statement at like half eight was it on tuesday night or something it was quite late in the evening that they sort of released the statement to confirm it. So I mean, they don't really know what they're doing at this point, I don't think. Ed Woodward 
appears to be not very good at his job, I would suggest. He's got two appointments wrong so far and he's been held over a barrel on his third appointment. This really has to go right for him, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Mark, thinking about the psyche, uh, the psyche, the psyche of Mourinho and what happened with him at Chelsea this season, do you think he will come in as um, a bit more polite and humble or do you think he will come in being incredibly belligerent, blaming everybody but himself for what happened at Chelsea? Um, I think it will start off him trying to be a new reformed character and I think it will gradually descend into old Mourinho. I think even in the second time around at Chelsea, you saw a different character in the beginning, one that people perhaps took to a bit more than they did the first time around. But gradually, he just got worse and worse. And, actually, and and the early part of this season, he was, well, just intolerable, wasn't he? Yeah, it all started with the Canera thing. I mean, that was the first game of the season, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even even as the even as a Chelsea fan, it was horrible to watch because oh. he he was just awful, like managerial wise, and just as a person, he'd come out after every game and blame something, and you know, referee made a mistake. The other team were at fault. Never his fault. Never our team, our team's fault. When ultimately it was. When he was there first time round, and um, he did things like uh, you know pretty much get Anders Frisk death threats sent to him and things like that. <laughs> were you as unhappy with his behaviour as you were this time round as a Chelsea fan? And, it... and at what point this time did you think oh, I don't want him here anymore? Thing is, being a jazz fan for me has been really annoying the past couple of seasons because there's always some sort of controversy or something. You know, there's never a season where the club can just get on with it and we can win a league and be happy or win a cup and be happy. It's, you know, Jose with the doctor, which seemed to last forever during his entire... Well, yeah, in terms of, like, the media every day, after every loss, it was, well, it all happened because of the doctor, which it probably did. He lost the dressing room because of it, and his attitude's always been pretty sort of naff. Um, he's always brought it back with sort of a, a good anecdote or some good behaviour, sort of in press conferences, or you know. But he he is a very egotistical man, and as much as that's good, sometimes sometimes it's just very frustrating because all you want as a fan is for someone to go, "I'm sorry, the team didn't play very well. We're going to fix it. We're going to play better next week." Which he's not the type of manager to do. No, I, do you know what? I find managerial press conferences quite cringeworthy because when they come out with a really crappy line or crappy joke and you hear the journalists laugh like they're in some kind of bloody golf clubhouse together or something like that. And I just know that this first press conference, <laughs> there's going to be something like that. Uh, Mark, um, when Jose comes in, where does it leave Marcus Rashford, Jesse Lingard, Juan Mata and everyone's favourite sister-in-law shagger, Ryan Giggs? Um, well, it seems to me that Ryan Giggs might be on his way out because um, Mourinho hasn't he always taken roughly the same backroom staff to every job he's been with since he was since he was back at Porto all those years ago. Yeah, he's got that Rui Faria and a few others, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he he's just as bad as Mourinho. If what you see him getting up to on the bench is anything to go by, and what you hear people talking saying about him, hmm. so I, I can I can imagine. Well, you know what. Let's also talk about Giggs being demoted almost to the under-21 side um, and whether he accepts that or not we'll just have to wait and see um, in terms of the younger players well again he's not got a huge reputation for being one for youth um, and United are going to go out and flash the cash because they have to to justify bringing him in but also they're on their third year now without um, achieving too much in the league uh, or in um, European competition, so uh, you can see one or two of those younger players either being pushed to the periphery or leaving, having to leave altogether to get first team football. I did read that he did give eighteen academy products a debut at Real Madrid. Right. Okay. But how, how many of them have gone on to be first team regulars at Real Madrid? Um, well, that was the other thing I was thinking about. I mean, maybe Varane. I can't remember. Did they buy him or was he come through? That's almost like using the. That's almost like saying that he gave Zuma his opportunity when we we bought Zuma in, loaned him out, and he was already a good player. Right. It, it it's a 
you know, Jose, yeah, we've said he hasn't got the best reputation for these sort of things. He'd, he'd prefer to bring someone in that he knows. The rumour is he's after William from Chelsea to, to sort of, cause he knows the player, he knows he's a good work ethic. And you said about Juan Mata and, well, Juan Mata left obviously last time because he didn't apparently work hard enough to get back. And if Mourinho is doing the same style of football, then Mata's gonna have to go, isn't he? Unless Mata books his ideas up maybe. Potentially, I, to, the type of player one matter is, I don't think he will. No. Um, I'm sure he'll have plenty of offers elsewhere. I'd surely love, I'd have him back at Chelsea. Um, I know a lot of fans love him here, so it, it would be a good opportunity to bring him back and sort of have someone like that in the squad. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are obvious deficiencies in that Manchester United side where they do need to put players in. You know, if they had them at the club, whether they'd be older or younger players, they'd be playing by now. But there are positions in that team where they will have to buy a, a top-name player, whether that be Willian or a, or a big-name centre-back or whatever it might be. But, you know, um, Rashford, up to this point, at least looks like the real deal and not your, not another Federico Makeda. And you've got Martial, who, big money signing, but only a, only a young guy who needs games to improve. There's one or two others like Depay there who, who didn't really perform this season What's going to happen to him? He was another big money signing. So there are there are some good young talents there, whether they were brought through through the, through the youth system or brought in. It's just how long Mourinho will will give them to impress him, and whether he will trust them enough in the long run. And I don't know if his record bears that out. Um, about I mean, you look at Lukaku; he never trusted him from day one uh, at Chelsea, and, and I don't think he could wait to get rid of him. He had no patience for that type of player. No. Which well, is I think that, I think uh, that's... if you've seen Lukaku, anybody patients um, would be tested by now. <laughs> yeah, I mean you, you're absolutely right. He's famous for not giving anyone time to progress. Um, as you said, Lukaku made a couple of mistakes, and that was it for him. I'm pretty sure his last kick was in the um, super. Was it the Super Cup where he missed a penalty? I can't remember. There was a game where it was penalties and he missed it, and that yeah, was his last right. last kicker. Penalty, yeah, that's right. And you know, you look at Kevin Kevin De Bruyne, who apparently he said he didn't play very well in a, a random cup game against Swindon, and then decided to bin him off. So if someone like Rashford doesn't score in two to three games, Mourinho is probably going to think, well, he's not going to score ever again. I'll ditch him. Yamazai must be fretting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, everyone's favourite Belend Swede, who people appear to have their tongues up. Um, if he comes in, then you'd imagine him playing up top, and then you've got Rashford and Martial either side of him. Where does that leave Rooney? In the Skulls position, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I think it's always been on the cards for a couple of years now that um, Rooney would move back as into, to become that type of player. It's just that nobody's had the balls or the the conviction to to just finally get get on with it and do it because he's he's not fast enough or as incisive enough anymore to be the whether it's like a number 10 or whether it's the 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 out and out striker in that side and he's not been playing wing for a long time really so pulling you know pulling him back and I think he played there in the cup final didn't he he played a little bit deep yeah and and orchestrated the game and I think that's probably where he needs to be right now wouldn't you rather have a specialist in that position rather than a failed striker well, Paul Scholes was a striker to begin with, really. Uh, yes, but he hadn't made a career of being a striker before dropping back. I mean, no, he, no. He was more versatile than that, wasn't he? No, but there's a history throughout the game of players moving backwards when they get older and slower, but wiser with the ball. I mean, Franz Beckenbauer, for example, was a midfielder. Hmm. Okay. Um, I do keep thinking about Ryan Giggs because two years ago he was promised assistant manager to then take over as manager. Um, he's been at the club... Since, was it 1988 or something like that? Made his debut in 1991. Uh, now all of a sudden he finds himself putting the cones out for the under-21s. He must be scratching his head. And it, 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 he must see this as a bit of an insult. But if if he was an outstanding candidate, he would have got the job before now. He would have got the job before Louis van Gaal, for example. Yeah. Imagine being cuckolded by somebody else, eh, Brian? <laughs> um, so, yeah, OK. Well, look, while we're talking about some people and their priorities... Excuse me. Um, Arsenal have been out and bought somebody this week. They've been out and bought Granite Xhaka, haven't they? 
which is kind of just the player they want. And they've also been linked with um, Alvaro Morata as well from Juve. Um, but I think Real Madrid have got first dibs on him, haven't they? Um, yeah. And then also Calidou Kubali from N- Napoli, who also have had their Gonzalo Higuain linked with Manchester United as well. So lots of players being linked around. Javi Mascarano is pretty much at Juventus, but he keeps being linked with a load of Premier League teams as well. Um, so we'll start with Arsenal then, because they seem to be the most um, active in the transfer market. They've gone for Xhaka. That's for the big hole of theirs that they need. They do need a striker there, don't they? 100%. It, it's the thing that's, I think, held them back. They plugged a bit of a problem area with Czech in their sort of, you know, long-term goalkeeper. And now that they've got Xhaka in, that's great for them. And it, they just need a striker to finish the package off. I think the amount of times they've probably lost points this season because they've not had a 20-30 goal of, yeah, season player, then they've lost out because of it. I think Morata would be a great signing for them. Mark, what do you reckon? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely they need uh, they need somebody better than Giroud. Giroud sh- shouldn't be their first choice striker. Um, I also think they need to replace one of, if not both, of their centre-halves. I've never been convinced by Lauren Koscielny, even though he is better than he used to be. Uh, and Murtazaka uh, last season, I think he was quite poor. Uh, so I think they need to look at that. And, and and there is always that problem area of central midfield, isn't there? Well, they still they still never replace Freira. I mean, how do you replace a player like that? But um, they they they've not really come close. I don't think in the ten odd years since he's since he's gone. Is that not what Xhaka's for? I really haven't seen enough of him to be able to say that he is. To be honest, yeah. I do wonder about Mertesacker, like you say, because he's got 100-odd German caps, hasn't he? Yet, you kind of wonder how when you watch him play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's very, very slow, often caught out of position. So, mm. I just I just assume that they always pick the right man to play next to him and, and hope that he's going to be um, uh, difficult to beat aerially. Maybe that's why they pick him. Yeah. Um. Okay. Tottenham then do they need to buy anybody in particular I keep thinking they need to buy a striker because you know they're a Harry Kane hamstring away from having their season cropped aren't they yeah yeah I think so um, The on the odd occasion when he didn't play they got by didn't they with playing I think almost without a striker they, they played Chadley and Lamella and Eriksen as kind of like a not a particular what, what was that formation they called it when Spain did it but with the false, false number nine. yeah, something like that. I think they did it on the odd occasion when Kane was injured or, or rested. But yeah, I think they definitely need to find themselves a good quality striker. Um, Wasn't the false nine a, pioneered by Craig Levine when he was Scotland manager? Well, well I think they just didn't pass to anybody up front because they were incapable. <laughs> I don't think they just. Did, I don't think they didn't play anybody there. Didn't you just have James McFadden as a false nine? Did they? I think oh, wow. something like that. Sorry, go on, I interrupted you. Was he not a false 10 and a false 11 as well? I think he was a false player, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they're well equipped in midfield. I don't think that's an issue. Um, and they they seem to be now well covered at the back, which is probably not something that you never thought you'd say about Tottenham Hotspur. And they've got a good, they've got at least one good goalkeeper and one adequate goalkeeper back up. Will the one so, good goalkeeper want to go to PSG? Well, you, uh, that's been that's been on the cards allegedly a couple of times in the last um, while he's even while he's been at Tottenham, not that long. Hmm. It's always been on on in the newspapers and so on that he's going to go back to France and go to PSG. But so far, it hasn't happened, and maybe maybe he just doesn't want to go and have an easy life at PSG. Well, it so be... say, wouldn't wouldn't he be a bit bored? Just yeah, that's it. I can't imagine him sort of you know jumping around the the goal as much as he does in the Premier League. Well, he could go join Bournemouth then, or someone Villa. Well, <laughs> I think he, I think he's the right fit for Tottenham, and I think yeah, as Mark said, it's been on the cards for a while. But I, I don't see any reason why he probably would, unless he just wants maybe a an extra bit of pay in his wallet and an easy life. He'll be back home in the summer amongst all his French teammates. He'll be back in Paris and looking at his surroundings and thinking, I quite fancy a bit of this, and Blaise Matweedy has a little chat to him about coming back, and <laughs> you can kind of see it happen, can't you? Potentially, but I don't think it's a, I don't really think it's a uh, forward move in his career. No. You know, if, he, if Lloris went to Manchester United or Manchester City, for example, or Barcelona, that's a step forward in his career. 
I don't necessarily think right now, with where the Premier League is at with its money and where Tottenham have just made a few, you know, made the inching towards the top of the league this year, I don't necessarily think PSG is a forward move for him. No? Okay. Um, we'll talk about Manchester City then a little bit because they're one of the Premier League teams linked with Javi Mascarano. I'd love to see him back in the Premier League, to be honest with you. I still don't think we've replaced him at Liverpool. Um, what do Manchester City need? Do they need a kick up the arse? Do they need a load of new players? Um, they've got a lot of players ageing, quite all mm. the same age, haven't they? And Mascarano wouldn't really help out with that, though, would he? No, I mean you would you know, just throw every, everybody out. I mean because that that's been proven not to work either. Just to chuck five, six, seven, eight players out and bring five, six, seven, eight players in all of a sudden. But I think there's a lot of freshening up needs to happen at Manchester City. Torre's legs have gone. That's been evident for more than one season. Uh, there's talk of Joe Hart going the journey. Company needs to get sorted out one way or the other. I don't think Zabaleta's the player he was a couple of years ago. Um, even even David Silva, who is an undoubted star in that team, he's just starting to look a little bit stale there, I think. Yeah. Dee Michaelis as well. and um, Dee Michaelis, good. Yeah, Magala, he's just awful. And, and has made no signs of improvement as far as I can discern. No. So really, you, you're talking perhaps of Aguero, that Boney's got to go. He was a terrible signing in the first place, I think. Mm. Navas is too one-dimensional, and you know Nasri's got to come back and prove himself. There's a lot of ifs and ands and buts going on at Manchester City, but they can't just throw them all out. No. You know, but they've got to freshen it up. Not with one or two, like like Sterling, who's kind of been in and out a bit this season, and Delph, who hasn't really played. They need to freshen it up with big star names to really give everybody a, a boost to push them back to challenging, which with their money and the, and the profile of the players they've got, that's where they should be all of the time. But they just slipped back quite away this year. Ryan, what do you reckon for Manchester City? It's a difficult one, actually. I mean, one of the big names they've got bounced around is um, Gundogan from Borussia Dortmund. And But the problem Manchester City have had the past few years, they've just thrown a lot of money at the situation and haven't really come up with much in the... In the well, for the squad, I mean, like, you've got Fernando, Fernandinho, who, when I see them, they're not overly convincing. Um, Otamendi's been a bit been all right but yeah Mangala was a bunch of money he's been nothing Demichelis has obviously dropped off significantly Bonnie was a lot of money for an, an unknown reason uh it's going to be tough because Guardiola is going to come in he's going to want his own style of players so they're going to have mm. to throw money at the situation one of their bright sparks this season was um Kelch Iheanacho so it's almost like, do they trust a couple of the youngsters to fill the squad? Because, as Mark said, they can't just throw a bunch of their players up because they'll probably have they won't have a squad left. So they'll need to get to fill the gap somehow. Whether they just bring a bunch of players in, but it'd be good to give those youngsters who have played well this season an opportunity to continue that. I think, as I said, Ian actually scored quite a few goals for them in key situations, so he'd probably be a useful player to have. Yeah. Okay, um, and you know while we're talking about Javi Mascarano and um, people <laughs> like that, Danny Drinkwater is being linked with Liverpool. Do you want him? Uh, yeah, do you know what? He can't be a whole lot worse than um, players have already got. Well, it's a bit of a come down from being linked with Mario Goetze last week. <laughs> you have to admit that, but he's all right. He's a bit, um, he's a bit meat and potatoes, isn't he? But you know what you're kind of getting with him. Yeah, he'll, um, he'll do he'll do the job, won't he? he? He'll come into the team and he'll do what he needs to do. Yeah, exactly. But Liverpool have bought a goalkeeper this week, haven't they? They bought um, I can't read my handwriting. Loris Carius, is that right from Mainz? Yes. Four points. And everyone, everyone trolled Mignolet for it as well. Troll. I saw. Yeah, everyone online was apparently being very very mean to Mignolet. I mean, Mingley has signed a five-year contract back in January, I'm sure is not bothered one bit. <laughs> <laughs> he kept nine clean sheets in 34 Bundesliga games last year, so he's, you know, he's no mug, is he? No, must be decent, must be decent. We'll, we'll wait and see. I can't say I've ever seen him play, so I'll reserve judgment until he drops his first clanger, and then I'll crucify him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nagolo and Kante, I've got written to PSG here because I saw that. But, I mean, he must be linked with a stonking number of clubs. Well, Mares has also been linked with a few. You mentioned Drinkwater just then. I saw Mares to Manchester United. I can't see that working at all. Yeah, Mares to Barcelona was one I read earlier today. Yeah. Has anyone seen Andres Townsend to Sporting Lisbon? Wasn't yes. that wasn't that a hoax or? Oh, was it? Oh, I think. Well, I, I read that on somebody's Twitter that it just wasn't going to happen, and he's staying at Newcastle. But you know, could happen. Well, why not? When um, Graham Souness was at Benfica and he signed Phil Babb and all that lot, Scott Minto. Yeah, Michael Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. I've no idea how they did. I'm assuming terribly. Uh, not great, I don't think. I don't think he lasted there very long. No, he didn't, did he? Okay. Um, couple of bit of Tadori's happened again this week. Uh, with a, kind of through to the what they through, through to the quarter-final stage now. Um Rosario Central uh, lost to Atletico Nacional uh, of Colombia. Independiente lost to uh, beat Unam of Mexico on penalties. Nacional lost on penalties to Boca Juniors, and San Paulo beat Atletico Mineiro on away goals. So you've got semi-final of San Paulo versus Atletico Nacional and Independiente versus Boca Juniors. Anyone got any preferences anyway whatsoever on that? Uh, I'll go for Independiente. Why do you like the name? Like saying it. I do, and I do. I also remember them beating Liverpool in a World Club Championship in about 1984. No, oh, no wonder you like them. Then. And they played, and they had a great kit. I think they played in red shirts, blue shorts. I seem to remember. Uh, well, at the moment, they're in a their home kit is kind of Inter Milan black and blue stripes, and their away kit is pink, very Palermo. Really? Yeah. I'm sure Independiente play in red and blue. No, I've got um, I've got red and red and black for um, San Paolo. Uh, everyone knows Boca Juniors is blue and yellow, and Atletico is lots of greens and blacks and yellows. I have a soft spot for Boca, if only for um, Tevez and Requelme and whoever else has played for them as well. No, I'm not a big fan. Of, if, if I had to pick an Argentinian team that I liked, I always pick the first team ever I ever hear hear of on that country. Uh, and that would have been River Plate. So they are the um, the antithesis of God, you're so bourgeois. <laughs> they uh, the River team. Plate, the Bosch, I think they're the they're the um, the upper class team of Buenos Aires, I believe, and that, Boca Juniors are the people's team. Yeah, I, of course, I, I wouldn't know that, not being a particularly posh person myself. <laughs> Honest from the from the mean streets of Liverpool to supporting the hoi polloi of River Plate. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the um, the Independiente um, Wikipedia page and they're playing red. Uh, are you looking at the right one? Well, I assume so. Independiente del Valle. Really, is it? Yeah, I'm looking at it here. <laughs> is that yeah. the, they're the ones in the Copa del... Uh, the Copa Libertadores. Not, Semi-final. In Ecuador. Not, Oh right, well it's not in, it's not the Argentinian Independiente. No, then. no, 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 not those ones. This is the Ecuadorian. Uh, you see, I, I, I just assumed because that's a well-known name. No, think think Sash. They got some Sash. good names, yeah. Ecuador. Oh, good grief! <laughs> <laughs> they got some good names in South America, haven't they? O'Higgins and the strongest and people like that. Yeah, that's right. Um, some good old uh, English names in some of these countries. Yes, they have. And of course, the, the very famous Deportivo Wanker. Sorry? You've never heard of Deportivo <laughs> Wanker? No. Yeah, look him up on... Um... I feel like I'd get a very bad search back if I search for <laughs> Don't do it at it's, work. It's, no. wanker, it's Wanker with an A at the end. I'm sure it's not pronounced Wanker when you read it in Spanish. But... Well, there's obviously the Wankdorf Stadium, isn't there? In Switzerland. Yeah, that's right. And then you've got Andreas Wank, who was a um, an Austrian ski jumper, who for a brief time on Wikipedia had his nickname listed as Crafty. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, is his surname has an e at the end, doesn't it? Which, which, if it's no, true, no, there, was no, there was no e. It was just W A N K. I'm sure it was. No, are you sure? Let's have a look Let's here. Have a look. <laughs> I've got to get me wankers right. Yeah. <laughs> and because if, he... if it had an e at the end, if it had an e at the end, then he. Um, no, Andreas I'll Wank. Make a wanker, yeah. But no, you're right, Andreas Wank. Vank. Vank. Let's get it right now, Vank. Yeah, and if he didn't like spending money, he'd be a tight-fisted Vank. 
Yeah. If he was a proper German wanker, it would be Andreas Vicks. <laughs> Do you know what? It looks very thin and pasty, doesn't he? Have you seen his picture? With a bit of bum fluff. <laughs> you can I don't imagine. really want to know about thin and pasty wanks. But... <laughs> uh, well, there we go. Uh, that's the end of everything this week. Um, has anyone got anything they want to mention? I haven't mentioned internationals on purpose because if Jamie Vardy can't be bothered to go, then, you know, why should we talk about it? Yeah, exactly. One thing that I sort of thought about actually during the whole Mourinho discussion, which I forgot about, was did anyone see there's a story going around that apparently Chelsea own yes. the rights to Jose Mourinho until 2023, mm-hmm. which means when Manchester United hire him, they can't put him on any merchandising. And yeah. that's just fantastic. This is from when he, this is when he first signed with you, isn't it? Um, which presumably has been yes. the case when he's been at Inter and, and Real Madrid as well. But also, yeah. interestingly enough, uh, Chelsea also own the image rights to um, the word Chelsky. Oh, really? Oh, I, didn't, I didn't see that bit. Ooh. Yeah. So they've got a lot of self-awareness going on at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> I just It's just one of those stories that originally I was like, that's a joke, right? And then they obviously, I saw it on all the big sites and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That's, I- that's some good business plan from uh, Abramovich there. There's been lots of against modern football, football hashtags. Um, and speaking of which, did anyone see the New York City fans this week? No. No, Mark? Um, I saw that there was a local derby and one of New York City got hammered by the Red Bulls and then there was a bit of scrapping, but I don't know what against modern football twist there was to it. Well, before the game, bear in mind this is New York City created by the uh, oil-rich tycoons of Abu Dhabi uh, and this is only their second season. Um before the match they hung a banner over the side of the stadium saying against modern football <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea whether the irony is completely lost on them or not but it just seemed it seemed very ridiculous um, maybe maybe there's a twisted sense of humour in there uh, that, that, that even goes beyond us you know the Americans are playing us at our own game there well they call themselves the Empire State Ultras this whole ultra thing's going beyond the job. I was, at, I was at a Paris FC game, a set, which is a second division game in France the other week, and there was about 500 people in the ground, and then you had this ultra group basically <clears throat> just jumping up and down with their tops off, running into each other in the stand. I don't think they watched a second of the game. <laughs> like, to me, that's just a waste of a, an hour and a half. Uh, yeah, has anyone followed the Footy Fooligans uh, Twitter account? Can't say I do. No, no. It, it's young, youthful fans trying to look their hardest, and every now and then you'll see something like a flag with them all sort of trying to look very hard at their Stone Island jumpers, and the flag will say something like Hereford United Ultras. <laughs> so, um, yeah, anything anyone's any got meant anything they want to say? Mark, issue 12s of Football Pinks, are they still there? Oh, there's barely any left, yeah, but you, if you're interested, you can go to the website footballpink.net to pick one up and if you want a um, a Euro 2016 wall chart just for your desk at work or something like that um, then um, there'll be one up on the site hopefully by the end of next week that you can just download and print or download and keep it on your computer whatever you want to do oh what size is it A4 um, A4 hopefully I can make it work so you can print it bigger if you want to but I'm not that technologically um, gifted so uh, you might have to make do with A4 size and as I said you can stick it on the fridge or in your pod thing at work if you work somewhere like that or whatever you want to put it oh that sounds good and you're taking submissions for issue 13 yes excellent okay um, and on Twitter how do they get in touch with you if they want to do that at the football pink okay um, Ryan anything you want to declare uh, not no no <laughs> brilliant <laughs> Uh, if someone's got something they want to submit to you for any reason whatsoever, how do they find you? <laughs> um, to a it is at the Ryan Goodman. At the Ryan Goodman. Okay. Yeah. Um, Manandthepost.com is the website. There's a new article on it this week for the first time in God knows how long. Um, I wrote it, and, and it is good grief. Good grief. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this time I wasn't up till midnight the night before. I had to hand it in, Mark. So, um, yeah, this is. Uh, players that uh, Liverpool might be looking to get rid of in the summer. Um, maybe some have had their time. Maybe some have got a stay of execution. Uh, one is looking likely to have gone wrong already. Um, 
I nearly did something on which players Liverpool should buy, but not getting in the Champions League, but still having a world-class manager kind of threw up a massive spanner in the works, and I've got no idea who they're going to get, so... You'll have to look elsewhere for those. Um, yeah, unfortunately. So that's manonthepost.com. At Man on the Post is the um, Twitter handle for us. Man on the Post is the uh, new Instagram account. Um, Ross and the guys, I think maybe we're going to be doing a show on Monday post-Champions um, League final. So keep your eyes and ears out for that. You can subscribe via Acast and via iTunes. Uh, any five-star reviews you want to leave, gratefully received. Uh, anything less than a five-star review, just get in touch with us first. We'll vet that one for you. Um, and thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much, guys. Thanks. Thank you. And all I'm going to said is always keep your man on the post. <laughs>